It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in our number two of the program here on Wednesday. And it is a big day, not only because it's always a big day here on WBSM. We always have great programming for you. But Marcus and Chris are going to be live with South Coast Now from Duke's Bakery in Fall River. So you can stop by and see them from 9 to noon. They'll be broadcasting live from Duke's. And uh, as anybody who knows... Marcus and knows the story of Dukes, you know that it was actually his aunt who started Dukes with her partner, Chris, and uh, and then she later passed away. And Dukes is one of the, the best places on the South Coast to have that family feel. I was there yesterday setting up for their broadcast, and you just walk in, and immediately everybody just wants to help. They want to do what they can. And everybody who goes in there, I think their day is made brighter by stopping in. So you can stop in and see Marcus and Chris today from 9 to noon at Duke's Bakery. They will have the mayor joining them later on by phone. Uh, he will not be able to take your phone calls because he will be joining them by phone, but he'll be on with them to talk about things such as the nip ban. And uh, now, according to Frank Mulligan's reporting in the in SouthCoastToday.com and in the Standard Times, uh, he spoke with Councilor-at-Large Ian Abreu, who said that the City Council in their, in their August 17th meeting would be basically putting this back on the licensing board to have another, to reconsider this and actually have a hearing in which they debate this in front of the public rather than what seemed like happened on Monday, that the fix was in. That they already knew what they were doing before they even had the public comments. So they're going to push for that to happen. And I have a feeling that the, the council will push for that to happen. So they'll talk about that with the mayor uh, today, as well as some other issues. And if you would like to sound off, you can call them and me at 508-996-0500. Also, today is a big day because, as I mentioned earlier, at 10 a.m., there is a national security subcommittee that is holding a hearing on unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP. So there's going to be three witnesses that will be speaking to the subcommittee about their UFO experiences and what they have witnessed. That includes David Grouch, who is the guy who was the whistleblower. Leslie Kane came here in New Bedford and, and, and told the story of how she developed that story, how the whistleblower came forward. And he said that not only have we recovered alien technology, not only have we been able to duplicate that alien technology, but that we have actually also recovered alien beings as well. So he is going to be testifying. It'll be interesting to see how deep he goes into some of that because we haven't heard in all of these hearings that we have heard and in, in, in the uh, Department of Intelligence report that came out, the word alien was never used. The word extraterrestrial was never used. They've been very much sticking to the idea that this is just something that we don't know its origin. But they have not used the A word, the E word. They haven't used EBE, which stands for extraterrestrial biological entity. They haven't used that. 
they haven't used any of the terms that would suggest an off-world intelligence. And that may have to change with today's hearing. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. At the same time, as that is happening, which you can stream online, I believe C-SPAN will be carrying it live. As that is happening, I'll be at C-Lab in New Bedford talking to a group of 7th grade students about the paranormal. There is a course that these students are taking about UFOs, cryptozoology, paranormal research. And again, this is, you know, for people who are like, well, that's, that's ridiculous. That's not real. Why are they teaching that to kids? That they're, they're probably not teaching them that it's real. They're probably teaching them the methodology of investigating it so that they learn the scientific process. Because the people who have been researching the paranormal for a long time, many of them utilize the scientific process to do so. So many don't. Since the glut of reality television shows about the paranormal, there's been a lot of hobbyists who have popped up who think that they're doing things scientifically but aren't. And it's no offense against them. They're just not trained in it. They're just copying what they see on television. And the scientific method does not lend itself to good reality dramatic television. So when you're just copying what you see ghost hunters and ghost adventures and ghost whatever doing, you're not utilizing the scientific method. But by teaching kids how to utilize the scientific method and catching their attention with the paranormal, maybe they'll learn as they go along how to apply the scientific method to other areas that interest them. And also... This stuff is real. I know that you don't want to believe it, but it is. And now I'm not going to stand here and tell you that ghosts are dead people. Because I don't know that to be true. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that UFO sightings and, and alien experiences are extraterrestrial beings from another planet. Because I don't know that to be true. In fact, I, I highly doubt both things. But the phenomena that we associate with those, that we are trying to explain as being those... The phenomena is legitimate. The phenomena is real. The phenomena has happened to me. And I don't look at something and say, wow, I just experienced a ghost. I look at something and I say, wow, what did I just experience? Let me look at the evidence that I have before me and the data that I have before me and try to make the best educated guess that I can out of it. But I don't. When I use the term ghost, I, I don't necessarily mean that it's a dead people, dead person, a person's spirit. But something happened. Something made that object move. Something made that door close. Something made the temperature drop 25 degrees in the room and then come right back up again. And that's what I look for. I look for things that happen like that, that can be documented and that are repeatable. And my my real kind of pet theory is it's, it's us that's doing it. And think about the level of control we would have over our own individual universe if we had that level of control. Oh, it's too hot in here? Well, hold on. Let me just concentrate and lower the temperature. Oh, the remote's way over there? Hold on. Let me just concentrate and make it fly across the room into my hand. Those things seem to be possible based on the experiences that we've had that we call paranormal. So that's the kind of stuff that interests me. But anyway, so I'm basically going to go talk to these kids and tell them about some of the things that I've encountered and then have them apply 
their, their critical learning skills to the stories that I tell them and say, well, you know, what questions are you going to ask in, in a situation like that? If you are in a place where, you know, you record a voice in the Lizzie Borden house, well, how are you going to explain that voice? What are some of the things that you're going to do to deduce if that is legitimately, quote unquote, paranormal phenomenon or not? So I think it'll be an interesting time and it'll be a fun discussion. And I look forward to it. And I'll report back to you tomorrow about how it goes. Maybe uh, maybe these kids just, you know, tune me right out. But I think if they're taking this course in the summertime, they're probably pretty interested in it. And that bodes well for the next generation of research because they're getting educated on it and not just copying what they see on television. We got some more uh, app chat messages regarding litter. And if you would like to call in or chime in, you can do that at 508-996-0500 or via app chat on the WBSM app or use the open line voicemail. Uh, this comes from Dave in New Bedford, who says, I frequently walk around Clark's Cove. I noticed many times trash is laying at the base of the garbage cans that are dispersed around the walkways. I'm thinking that the culprits are the seagulls pulling the trash from the garbage cans. And that could very well be because people could be putting trash in those barrels, in those receptacles, as they're supposed to. The gulls come down. They start rooting through it. They pull out what they don't want and just drop it on the ground. And then the wind picks that up and carries it all over. So that could certainly be part of it. But I don't know that that explains all of it. But this is something that's probably somewhat fixable. You could at least eliminate this as one of the possibilities, as one of the contributing factors. I don't know what the barrels look like there. Off the top of my head, I can't think of them. But you could have a barrel that has some mesh. You could have a barrel that has a closed lid that you have to push inside. You know, like you see outside of a fast food place, there's a reason why the fast food places around here all use closed lid barrels Otherwise, the seagulls would be in those things all the time. When you, when you pull into a fast food parking lot around here, there's more seagulls than there are cars. The seagulls over here by the McDonald's in Fairhaven, they're territorial. You go to pull into a parking space and they've taken over that space, they just look at you and say, park somewhere else, buddy. You think I'm kidding? My buddy John Comey caught a video. We had a story about it at WBSM.com. He caught a video of the seagulls and the turkeys facing off in a tur turf war. They take it seriously over there. So maybe the changing the type of barrel that's being used could help mitigate some of that. Again, I don't think it solves all the problem because I think, I think people are far more messy than seagulls, and seagulls are pretty messy. But I think that it could certainly help um, also, Izzy in Fall River says, Hi, Tim. I also use my plastic water bottles to refill water. I wash and reuse plastic takeout containers as well. Yeah, that has become something that um, I've become a big fan of. As takeout has moved away from the styrofoam containers and moved into those plastic containers, I find myself keeping them more often than not. Now, I'm not getting a whole bunch of takeout food these days. But if I do eat something because of this medication that I'm on and this weight loss program that I'm doing, if I order a meal, I'm not finishing the meal anymore. 
So I, I am bringing home leftovers, and I'm bringing them home in a plastic takeout container that I then use again. So that when I cook at home, that's what I'm storing my food in. Now, you got to be careful because some of them have, especially if it's getting delivered to you, they have the little hole at the top so that it, it's vented so it doesn't get, uh, doesn't sweat inside and, and get mushy. If you have one of those, just toss them in the recycling bin because you don't want to store your food in those because it doesn't keep it sealed and keep it fresh. But the ones that do, I've got stacks of those in my cabinet. And I utilize them. And sometimes I've utilized all that I have. In fact, uh, last night I made some, uh, some chicken, some uh, Nashville hot chicken. And I looked and said, whoa, I'm, I'm almost out of containers here. I don't have any containers to put this in. I had to put it in a much bigger container than I normally would have because I'm out of all my little ones. But that's what I use. Saves money. And then when I have used them up or when I, you know, if I use stain them up with some marinara sauce or something, I don't feel bad because instead of throwing them away and, and throwing away money, I didn't really pay anything for them. They were came with my meal and I can just put, toss them in the recycling bin. So if you're not utilizing that method, I highly recommend it. Because I walk into the stores, you know, I, I started doing meal prep and went out and got all the containers and if you buy something that says like meal prep container on it, you're going to pay like 14, 15 bucks for a package of those. But if you buy something that just says food storage, you can get a package for three or four bucks. But then if you just utilize these takeout containers, eh, no bucks. So, uh, and I'm sure we're getting the cost passed on to us and the cost of the food. When we order the takeout meal, they're probably because they're no longer buying the cheap styrofoam containers that you got in a big case for. I know that we used to pay, I think it was 80 bucks for a package of takeout containers. I think there might have been a thousand in the box. I'm sure it's twice as much money to get these plastic containers and there's probably half as many in the box. But it's, it's got to be better to deal with than those styrofoam containers. We used to have to poke holes in the styrofoam containers so the food wouldn't sweat. Somebody ordered a turkey club to go. You couldn't just send it off in a styrofoam container. By the time they picked it up, the, the bread would be mush. And plastic water bottles, very rarely do I only use them once. I mean, I have single-serve bottles in my house. That, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm thirsty, you know, I sleep with a CPAP, so sometimes I'll wake up and be thirsty. I'll go into the kitchen and I'll just pound one of those, you know, single-use water bottles. And then that's going in the recycling bin afterwards. Or I might fill it up with tap water and put it back in the fridge. But the larger bottles, uh, like I said, this Fiji bottle that I have right next to me in the studio, I bought that a week ago tomorrow. Right? Does that sound? No. Two weeks? When did I go? I don't know. Whenever I went to Gettysburg. Two, week, two weeks ago tomorrow. And I've been using it ever since. Rinse it out. Give it a nice warm water bath. Let it dry out. Fill it up with some cold water. Or, you know, just keep filling it up with cold water. So that $3 or $4 investment that I made two weeks ago... 
still benefiting from it. And I didn't throw any, all the water that I drank probably would have been a case of single-serve water bottles that haven't, haven't gone into the trash or gone into the recycling bin. 508-996-0500. Going to take a break. Be back in a few moments. this morning i was snoozing i don't know about you but uh that's a great song by huey lewis in the news and speaking of the news adam bass has the news coming up for you in just a moment he will be giving you all of the headlines of the day and then we can react to them on the other side including this uap hearing that's coming up including the nip bottle ban including the problems with litter overall in the city and whatever else is on your mind we didn't really get a lot of feedback yesterday about the story about the flag uh, being removed from the Little Free Diverse Library in Rochester. But there were some Facebook comments about that. If you haven't checked the story out yet, you can read it at WBSM.com and on the app and read some of the comments on Facebook as well. Uh, there have been some folks who have said, you know, hey, it's it's town property. Even though the town flag policy doesn't mention, only mentions flagpoles, it's still town p- property. But until they change the language, I, I don't know how you can stop them from having that flag out there. But we can discuss that and a whole bunch more after the news. But right now, let's go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. The blistering heat that's been broiling much of the south and the southwest is now invading the Midwest, pushing afternoon highs above 100 degrees. Forecasters are warning that the heat and humidity could last for days. Cities like St. Louis... Wichita, Kansas, and Kansas City will roast in the temperatures 10 to 20 degrees above average. The heat and humidity are making conditions even more miserable for people in a region already choking from smoke from wildfires in Canada. Smoke is fouling the air over Chicago, where the air quality index on Tuesday hit a level considered unhealthy for sensitive groups. A strike at UPS is being averted. The Sandy Springs-based shipping company and Teamsters reached a compromise yesterday with less than a week to go before the existing contract expires. UPS CEO Carol Tomes called it a win-win agreement for employees and customers. Full-time workers are expected to be paid an average of $49 an hour. Voters in Ohio will decide whether to legalize and protect abortion rights. Jack Crumbly reports. The group's trying to get an abortion rights constitutional amendment on the Ohio ballot turned in over 700,000 petition signatures. They needed about 414,000 of them to be valid and represent 44 of Ohio's 88 counties. The Secretary of State has now confirmed they did just that. So that issue will be on the ballot for voters to decide this November. I'm Jack Crumley. 
Governor Ron DeSantis appears okay after he was in a car crash in Tennessee. DeSantis was on his way to a presidential campaign event in Chattanooga yesterday morning when three cars in his motorcade collided. Chattanooga police say one staff member suffered a minor injury, but a campaign spokesman said DeSantis and his team are uninjured. No citations were announced. As campaign spokesperson said, they appreciate the prayers and well wishes for the nation for DeSantis' continued protection while on the campaign trail. An investigation is ongoing after three Marines were found dead in a vehicle at a North Carolina gas station. The bodies were discovered Sunday in Hampstead, about 30 miles from Camp Lejeune. Authorities say the deaths seem to be accidental, adding that the men did not appear to have died by suicide. No weapons, illegal drugs, or evidence of an attack were found. A new bipartisan bill would make changes to how college athletes make money off their names and likeness. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama unveiled a bill on Tuesday called the Protecting Athletes Schools and Sports Act. It would establish a national standard for the use of a college athlete's name, image, and likeness. It would also require the NCAA to develop a uniform standard contract for name, image, and likeness deals. An Alabama woman who claims she was kidnapped after seeing a baby on the highway is admitting it was all a hoax. Lisa Taylor has more. Two weeks ago, Carly Russell disappeared for two days after a phone call led police to believe she was abducted. Police were unable to verify her story, and on Monday afternoon, Russell's attorney announced she didn't see a baby and she wasn't kidnapped by anyone. She said she worked alone and nobody helped her hide during the two days she was missing. Russell also apologized for her actions and said she's seeking help for personal issues. Her attorney says criminal charges are possible and will be announced if and when filed. I'm Lisa Taylor. And the Mega Millions jackpot keeps growing with no grand prize winner in Tuesday night's drawing. The game's top prize has now grown to at least $910 million ahead of Friday's drawing. The lump sum cash option on that is just over $464 million. The last time someone hit the jackpot was back in April. In sports, the Boston Red Sox beat the Atlanta Braves last night 7-1. Game two of their two-game series takes place tonight at Fenway Park at 7-10 p.m. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Expect a quiet day today. It'll be mostly sunny skies, humid, and a high near 85. Overnight tonight, clear, but still humid, low of 71. Tomorrow, we do have a heat advisory that will start at 11 a.m. and end at 8 p.m. on Friday. But expect it to be humid tomorrow. Winds will pick up, and we'll see some heavy thunderstorms try to work their way into the area late, late in the day. High near 87. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 69 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. It's okay if you listen in the shower. Just keep it to yourself and don't make it weird. Back to the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM.
Welcome back in. Oh, no more nightlife for me. I get up too early now. But I get to do cool things during the day, like going to talk to the kids at C-Lab today about the paranormal. I did get an app chat message asking me if that chat, is, if that talk is open to the public. And uh, no, this is just for the students over at C-Lab today. However, I do a lot of public paranormal lectures, especially in September, especially in October, uh, that are free to the public. So if you want to have me at your local library, call them up, tell them, hey, get Tim Weisberg to come talk about the paranormal this Halloween season. And then they'll reach out and they'll book me and then I can come and I can talk to you. So it's, it's something that I love doing. I love getting out there and talking about this stuff because I get to hear from folks who have actual real experiences and who aren't out there like looking to get on TV or, you know, trying to get attention for themselves. They just want to share what's happened to them or ask questions about things. And it's always fun to enlighten people. And, you know, I work some jokes in that I, th I think are pretty funny. They usually get a laugh, so they can't be all that bad. And I get to play some of the mind-blowing stuff we've captured over the years. So it's, it's a lot of fun getting out there and talking about ghosts and aliens and cryptid creatures and all that stuff with folks. Uh, I've also, since we're on a paranormal uh, discussion here for a moment, I've also got a lot of emails and questions from people who watch the Beyond Skinwalker Ranch episode on History Channel where they dealt with the Bridgewater Triangle. And people have asked me what I've thought about it, and I've been... I've been kind of quiet about it for a couple of reasons. One, some of my friends are in that show. Uh, Matt Moniz, my co-host on Spooky South Coast, he has uh, a significant appearance on that program, as does my friend Andrew Lake. And so I don't want to disparage them in any way, but I, I thought there were some parts of the production that were a stretch. There were some parts of the production that I thought were um, manufactured for television or manufactured for their storyline that they were trying to propose. So the whole idea was that, you know, the Skinwalker Ranch, if you're not familiar with it, it is a ranch out in Utah where all this strange stuff happens. And they attributed this to these Native American creatures known as Skinwalkers that were um, shapeshifters that could turn themselves into different animals turn themselves into different creatures, even turn themselves into human beings if necessary. And that all this high strangeness would happen around these skinwalkers and that it's still going on today. So they're out there. Someone bought the ranch with the purpose of investigating this claim. And so we'll also have to capitalize on it as well because they've got a television show and it's a, it's a money-making venture now. And so this Beyond Skinwalker Ranch show is where they send out some of their investigators to try to find other places that might have similar activity and see if they can tie it in. And I think that that, that goes back to John Keel, who was a researcher who looked into these things that he called window areas. Some people call portals. But he, the, he looked at the fact that there were these anomalous areas all around the world where high strangeness happened. And the Bridgewater Triangle is one of those. So is it possible that all of those window areas are connected to each other? Of course it is. So they're trying to find those connections. But in order to do that, they manipulated some of the actual Bridgewater Triangle narrative to do that. So, for example, one of the things that they said, you know, they show up with all their equipment and they're saying on this TV show, well, nobody has ever 
collect, you know, we're, it's just a bunch of anecdotal stories of people in the Bridgewater Triangle. Nobody has collected data. And that's what we're going to go do. We're going to be the first to collect data in the Bridgewater Triangle. Well, first of all, not even remotely true. We've been collecting data in the Bridgewater Triangle for decades now. I can give you a bunch of data that I've collected in the Bridgewater Triangle. Now, it might not convince you that there's something paranormal going on, but I've recorded data for 17 years, almost 18 years. And there are others around me who have done it for much longer. So don't put out that false. What are we, a bunch of backwoods locals here that just go out and walk in, walk up to ghosts and walk up to aliens and walk up to Bigfoot and, and don't bother to take a photo or a video or anything? Oh, I got a good story. Some, some TV show ever comes, going to have a good story to tell them. Never thought to actually take out my phone, though. No, we've got plenty of data. And the other part of it, too, that bothered me was that they played with some of the Native American legends to make it fit into their Native American legend. And that's not fair to the Wampanoag people who already don't like us exploiting their legends to begin with. But the, the Pukwudgie creature, you know, they, they turned it into a shape-shifting skinwalker. And it's, it's not the same thing. These tribes all have similar type creatures, but they're not the same thing. Their stories and, and their descriptions and their experiences with them are not the same. There's a lot of similarities, but they're not the same. And one of the things that really bothered me is Andrew Lake is out at Anawan Rock, which was the site of the end of King Philip's War. It's where General Anawan was captured by Benjamin Church, and that was the end of the war. He surrendered, and that was essentially the surrendering of the Wampanoag people. The English took possession of the Wampanoag Wampum Belt, which some people think is the cause of the curse of the Bridgewater Triangle, whatever. But they, they went there, and this is a place where People report seeing phantom fires and hearing a Wampanoag word, which I'll probably butcher, but Iutash, which translates to stand and fight. People will hear that audibly said or captured on a recording. So here we have an actual Wampanoag or Algonquin word that's being spoken there. And we know some of that language. And they could have gotten a Wampanoag language expert. There are people out there trying to resurrect that language. And they could have brought them out there. And instead, they used a Hebrew prayer that worked for them at the Skinwalker Ranch. And they got results when they used that. So they said, we're just going to use that here because that's ancient. That's as old as whatever's going on here. So you just foisted a completely different language and belief set on what you thought were the spirits of Native Americans. Because what? It would have been too hard to look up an Algonquin word? Just stupid. And, you know, they reached out to me to be part of this show. And I'm not bitter about it at all. I don't care. I get, I get called about these things all the time. They wanted me to go out and film at night in December in the middle of the Bridgewater Triangle. And I was like, that's, that's not what I do. I can be the guy that, like, gives you information. But I'm not going to go out there and investigate with these guys at 10, 11 o'clock at night in December or January, whenever it was. And so they interviewed me. They're like, oh, we really like you. We want to use you. And then 
I never heard from them. And then I found out Moniz and Andy were going out to film, and I was like, well, do you guys need me? And they're like, oh, no, we went in a different direction. And now I see the direction they went in was our guys are the experts. Your guys are just the local yokels who saw a, a, a light in the sky or, or a shadow walk across the woods. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you, Shawnee? Oh, hanging in. Very hot. Too hot for me. How about this is, it's only going to get hotter, too. <laughs> anyway, I think I hope it's just a small heat wave and it goes away. Uh, I think they said, what, at least until Monday? Monday or Tuesday? Really? That long? Oh, yeah. Well, it has to be. In order for it to be a heat wave, it's got to be at least three days. Mm, last year, we had a drought, remember? Yep. And we had it a couple of heat waves last summer, too. Yeah, it was bad, but we got more rain this year. Um, oh, talking about um, Huey Lewis, I I saw him live. What a show. He, he put on a really good show, and I'm glad I saw him because now he lost his voice. I love Huey Lewis in the news. I've only seen them live once. It was a free concert that a radio station put on on, on the Boston Common, and they were the headline act, and when they showed up, Apparently, they they showed up in Boston, but their instruments did not. So they ended up doing their entire set a cappella, and it was incredible. It was so good, and I, you know, it, it was kind of I was kind of sad that we didn't get to hear the full band experience, but I thought it was also pretty cool that you know we got this special a cappella show. It was like one of the best ones I've ever seen. He was excellent. Um, too bad he lost his voice, though. Yeah, I mean, when you when you have a raspy voice like that, anyway, I'm not surprised. Anyway, um, well, I got one of them. <laughs> well, I hope you don't lose yours. We need your phone calls. <laughs> Listen, Tim, um, you know that little lady that calls a lot and she talks about food with you? Mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't heard from her lately, have you? I was just wondering. If she, she, called, okay. yep, she called yesterday morning. Oh, all right. I, wasn't, I, I didn't sleep good last night, so I wasn't up early. I think I'm just on a little bit early for her these days. Oh, anyways, um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Phil and um, Celeste. I saw them down at the fifties uh, night, and um, he wasn't feeling all that good. I hope he feels better. I hope so too. They, they, the whole committee did such a great job putting on that event. It was, it was flawless, and it was the most organized I've ever seen it. Yeah, but I, I don't know if you, I was sitting there with Eddie and the Exciters. Mm-hmm. We're playing, and the guy fell out from yeah. the heat. Yeah, they had to have the ambulance come and take him. Yeah, and then it cut. They cut that side off early at eight o'clock. You know where I was sitting. Anyway, I had a good time. I wonder if they're going to have the reggae on the beach this Sunday. Do you know? I don't know. And I'm looking at the weather, and I looked at the weather, and it looks like it's actually going to get dropped down to like 79, 80 degrees after after Friday and Saturday. So maybe it won't be as, as much of a heat problem as we thought it would be. All right. And um, how about Spooky? Is that coming on soon? Uh, not this week. I have an event this week, perhaps the week after. All righty. Okay, I'll be listening. Thank you. All right. You have a good day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. And uh, 508-996-0500. Caller, I see you there. Hang on, though. I just got to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments, and we'll go right to you. And let's go right back to the photo. The caller dropped off. Well, if you want to call back, 508-996-0500. It's always right when you're about to come back. 
that the call drops off. But uh, you can certainly call us back and we will put you on the air. You can also send us an app chat message if that's easier as well. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking with John Buddy Andrade about some upcoming uh, things that can help you with finding out more about the jobs that are going to be available to you with the offshore wind industry and everything that's going on with alternative energy. So we will talk about that. Uh, and, of course, we'll take your phone calls, too, at 508-996-0500. You're probably getting up and getting ready for your day and probably thinking to yourself, man, I'm hungry. And if you are hungry and you want to get a good, delicious breakfast, head on over to Just Another Phoenix. It's located on Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth, and they have all of your breakfast favorites. They also have creative different ideas as well. Head on over there. If you just want something light like a cheese roll, you can get that. But you can also get a cheese roll stuffed with bacon, stuffed with sausage, linguine, whatever you want in it, any vegetable that you want, whatever it is, they can put it into a cheese roll for you. Where else can you get that? And make sure you get some of their home fries. Their home fries are phenomenal. I judge all breakfast places by their home fries. When people say to me, Tim, why is Just Another Phoenix restaurant one of your favorite breakfast restaurants? I say, the home fries. Start there. Because so many places just don't put the effort into them like they do at Just Another Phoenix, but also the great creative specials as well. So you're going to find something on there every day that you might not have ever considered having. You try it, you'll love it. It becomes a new favorite. Head on over there and remember, you don't have to spend all the time to go out for breakfast if you don't have that kind of time. If you want to have a good, delicious, homemade Just Another Phoenix meal, you can have that at home, at the office, at the beach, at the park, wherever you might be going today by picking it up from their drive through window. Just call ahead, tell them what you want, pull up to the window, it'll be ready for you. You don't even have to get out of the car. That's how convenient they make it to get your day started with a good, hot, delicious, creative, fun breakfast. Check them out. Just another Phoenix restaurant, Fawns Corner Road, in Dartmouth. Let's take that final break of the hour and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back in. In just a moment, we're going to be going into the newsroom. On the other side of that, we'll be talking with Buddy Andrade about some of these seminars that are coming up that will instruct you on what opportunities are available for you with offshore wind and alternative energies and everything that's coming in so that you can be armed with all the knowledge that you need to move forward with that. And uh, also, we'll take more of your phone calls at 508-996-0500. We will take more of your app chat messages on the WBSM app. You can also send us open line voicemails too. Uh, And don't forget that coming up after this program from 9 to noon, Marcus and Chris will be broadcasting live with South Coast Now from Duke's Bakery.